0: Welcome to the Gamer's Tavern. This week we talk about a very serious subject that's been getting a lot of attention recently in social media. Feminism and sexism in gaming. This episode is now officially the longest one we've recorded and was actually recorded over two nights. Uh, so if the editing sounds a little bit odd, it's because we recorded with guests Corinne Siebold and Jennifer Bowman on a different night than we recorded with the D20 girls Jasmine and Andrea. Now, I've edited like a normal episode though, so we'll be switching between the four ladies as we go through the topics. Because we ended up with four hours of recorded raw material, and because this subject is kind of important, I didn't want to cut a lot of stuff. So this episode is going to focus solely on discussion of the, and our next episode is going to focus on potential solutions. And when I say this has become an issue with a lot of attention recently, I want to point out that we recorded this episode, both halves, before the basic Dungeons & Dragons came out, or else I would have brought up what I feel are four of the most important sentences in modern gaming history. Wizards of the Coast took up valuable print real estate in both their core rulebook, Basic Dungeons & Dragons, and it's a chapter that's going to appear verbatim in the Player's Handbook. and I'm going to read it to you right now. You don't need to be confined to binary notions of sex and gender. The elf god Corillian Larithian is often seen as androgynous or hermaphroditic, for example, and some elves in the multiverse are made in Corillian's image. You can also play a female character who presents herself as a man, a man who feels trapped in a female's body, or a bearded female dwarf who hates being mistaken for a male. Likewise, your character's sexual orientation is for you to decide. Now, this is important for several reasons. First, this is the largest role-playing game in the world, coming out and stating that inclusiveness is important enough to their core brand identity that they're putting it in their core role The outpouring on the internet of gratitude and relief from many people who have been told they couldn't play a trans or a homosexual character because, quote, that doesn't exist in Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk or whatever, is a non-zero number. That, That should not exist. But this now states in the core rules that these characters do exist in the world and they are acceptable for play. And, in fact, I have a confession to make that I don't believe anyone's actually caught on to. Um, the character that i played in the Gamer's Tavern Game Table podcast, Kyle Rogers, is, in fact, gay. Uh, it's never come up. Uh, there was a deleted scene that it came up in, but I cut that because it honestly wasn't really entertaining. But all it did was subtly influence my interactions with some of the other NPCs. And the other reason that this is... Such an important thing is that it brings things like gender, gender identity, and sexual orientation down to stat, statue filling on the character sheet. It's not something that is critical. It's not something that affects the game, but it's not a binary choice. Every other edition of the game only gave the option for male and female for gender. No mention was made of gender identity, and no mention was made of sexual orientation. So it's brought this very big thing and said, this is such a normal thing. It is so absolutely acceptable that you can pick what you want and you can put it on your sheet. It doesn't matter. It's the same as your hair color, eye color, or anything else. And I've got to say, Kudos to Wizards of the Coast for making inclusiveness a core part of the new edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and they're following in the footsteps of many other great companies, including Paizo, White Wolf, Post-Human Studios, and many, many others who have made a message of inclusiveness part of their product identity. Now, before we get started, I want to warn the listeners, this episode will discuss many difficult topics, including sexual harassment and sexual violence. These discussions are about the issues involved. We do not go into graphic detail, but they do come up and they are discussed at length, so if this is something you're sensitive to, please be warned about that. And, and I'm going to tell you right fucking now that I will be monitoring the comments for this episode everywhere we post it, and I will tolerate no bullshit on my website. Discussion is always welcome, and we've And we've always been anything if not safe for work, but I will tolerate no harassment, bullying, threats, or hate at the Gamer's Tavern, ever. Gamer's Tavern has been and always will be a safe, if possibly a little bit rowdy place, to discuss gaming culture and the issues surrounding it. So, with that said, grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. drive rpg is the place to go to purchase digital copies of your favorite games: Dungeons Dragons, Shadowrun, World of Darkness, Savage Worlds, Numenera, Fate, and so many more. Do you long for the feel of actual paper in your hands? Well, they sell physical products too. Just go to gamerstavern.org and click on the link in the show notes to find your favorite games and support the podcast with every purchase. Hello and
1: welcome to episode 35 of the Gamer's Tavern podcast. I'm your host, Ross Watson. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. And tonight we have with us Corinne Seabolt. Hi. Jennifer Bowman. Hello. And two ladies from the D20 Girls Project, Jasmine and Andrea.
2: Hey.
1: Welcome to the show, ladies.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. you. So tonight we're going to be talking about sexism and gaming culture. But before we jump into that, we have a thing we always like to do with our guests. Gaming character sheet. Now, Corinne's actually been through this before, so I'm going to give her the first crack at the abridged version. Corinne, what is your gaming character sheet like?
3: Mostly, Most of the points would be in connection by way of Sean. Which is to say, <laughs> say Sean Patrick fiancé and owner of the company, for which I am editor, which is to say Evil Beagle. Correct. GM, a few points there. Um... Not that many experience points because I've only been at it since 08.
1: That's pretty good. That's, yeah. like, six, that's like six years.
3: Yeah. Well, actually it was 07.
1: So seven years.
3: Yeah. But once I got started, I couldn't stop.
1: I'm also going to think that you probably have a few dice in organization. And a special perk, future roommate of Ross Watson.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh,
1: Because Corinne and I and Sean are all moving in together in Denver. As a matter of fact, my boxes are completely packed. um, And it's happening very, very, very soon. So we're really all excited. All right. Are you an elf? No. All right. (laughs) And that's going to take us to Jennifer Bowman. Uh, Jennifer, what is your gaming character sheet like?
4: Well, my high concept is tech-savvy dilettante or jack-of-all-trades. I like it. My trouble is I work for idiots.
1: All right. Good concept.
4: I have lots of points in contacts, oddly enough, through my husband, Mark, who seems to know everybody.
1: That is also true.
4: But I also have some points in computers with a specialty in programming and making them jump and do my bidding. I'm like Scotty, I scare computers into working.
0: (laughs) Oh, so I'm your mortal enemy. I'm software QA in my day job. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, you, you've been a, a writer as well. You worked on World's Largest Dungeon. Is that correct?
4: Yes, I did. I did Region H.
1: Outstanding. And any and uh, what any other projects that we should be aware of? Uh,
4: I also did some writing for one of the 7C supplements for AEG. Low these many moons and mango
1: seasons ago. Wow. That's pretty cool. All Let's right. Keep. Go, Jasmine. <laughs> Woo!
5: I am a level 12 paladin. I'm awesome. The Texas D twenty State Manager, D twenty Girls Project overall is basically combating the negative stereotype of being a geek girl, and how we do that is through our outreach programs for communities and charity events, and we also have little social gatherings that we host at various conventions and trade
1: shows. Are you an elf? I think so. All
0: right. <laughs> like Finally, the,
1: got an elf. <laughs> I ask that question almost every episode. Andrea, can, uh, can you tell us about your gaming character sheet?
2: Um, sure. My name is Andrea. I'm the Louisiana state manager for the D20 Girls. Our state is more involved in conventions, not so much of, you know, um, what Jasmine does, like as far as community outreach, which we will do. But we're more focused and centered on, you know, attending conventions and putting the word out. And, you know, stuff like that. Tropical and we, we also do local <laughs> gaming events, too. So, yeah.
1: That's badass. Are you also an elf?
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. All right. Now, where can we find out more about the D20 Girls Project on the interwebs?
5: Well, uh, we do have a website, but it's under construction. So for now, it's just our Facebook page. And it's the, the D20 Girls Project.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Pretty easy to search that. And it'll be a cute little chibi girl in there as well.
4: Right.
3: Um,
5: and if yeah. you want to find state specific, just type in that state and it should pop up as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And they have a they actually have a page that is under construction with cute little um, progress <laughs> bars on it right now, uh, which is uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the final on that. Do you know what your ETA is on the website getting up?
5: Uh, we're shooting for November, last I heard. Sweet. So hopefully it'll be up by Thanksgiving. (laughs) We all look forward to it. Uh, So be very thankful when it is.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now we've talked about our gaming character sheets. Let's talk about what we've been playing lately. Um, And I will just quickly start with saying, Jennifer and I have actually been in a gaming group with Mark and a couple of the guys here in town playing Torg. And I want to single out Jennifer's character as just being completely awesome. It was the most fantastic interpretation of a character from the Pacific Rim movie I've ever seen, and she effortlessly took command of our of our little group. It was pretty badass.
4: Was well, not hard. We Russians we are accustomed to lost causes. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> See, it doesn't. It's just like that. But uh, why don't we start with you, Jennifer? What have you been playing lately?
4: Mostly we have been playing either Fate, we've got, I'm actually GMing a pulp campaign using the uh, Atomic Robo rule set for Fate, which is totally wicked. It is a fantastic pulp savvy rule set that just, there's the bad science, there's the punching, there's Nazis, there's robots, everything your pulpy heart could desire. Super sweet. Mark is running a 13th Age campaign. He's also running a horror conspiracy campaign that started out using Knights Black Agents, but we had a couple players that weren't really comfortable with gumshoes, so we switched over to Conspiracy X. That seems to be doing us a little bit better. Cool.
1: I can always count on uh, Jennifer and Mark for some kind of really interesting game systems that I haven't played before.
4: We're always open to something new. (laughs)
1: <laughs> which is one reason why they are a fantastic gaming group. If you were in Austin, uh, you should definitely try and get in touch with Mark and Jennifer. Okay. Uh, Corinne, what have you been playing lately?
3: Just this past weekend, we saved Shintar from Tempest. Uh, <laughs> all right. This was the finale of a month-long worldwide campaign that was doing all kinds of terrible things to the world. and But we saved it. So, all is well.
0: So, that was part of the Justice in Life?
3: Yep. Yes, this was the the finale to the, um...
1: Thundering Skies. Yes.
3: Thank you. Yes. Thundering Skies.
1: Sweet. That's a good name. I like that. All right. Anything else you've been playing, or is that uh, pretty much what's been going on?
3: That's been the main thing going on. I did, however, finally get to experience Fate Accelerated at, of all things, that was the bachelor party for a wedding that we were both in um, Wow, <laughs> last month. Yeah, it, it was odd, <laughs> delightfully weird. The premise was 80s. It was originally supposed to be action heroes, but then it just became 80s figures searching for and trying to rescue the Ghostbusters who had gone missing. And huh. the groom was Swamp Thing. Sean was Jack Burton from Big Trouble in China. I was (laughs) Velma from Scooby-Doo. And our host was college age Ferris Bueller.
1: Oh my God, I'm so jealous of you right now.
4: (laughs) That that sounds like a train wreck in the best possible
3: way. An
1: awesome train wreck.
3: (laughs) And it turned out that the Ghostbusters had been... Captured and were being held in an alternate version of Manhattan called Manhelton by a demonic Charles in charge.
1: <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> and it was really interesting when the Golden Girls showed up in the A Team van.
1: <laughs> oh I my. God, it. I am so jealous of you right now. Oh, oh, oh wow, that sounds awesome.
3: It was delightfully demented.
1: Oh my god, I'm about to steal that. The Golden <laughs> Girls of the a Band. Jesus. Okay. Jasmine, what have you been playing lately?
5: Well, I finally figured out how to set up a lot of my COG characters. I've been playing the tabletop version of Gears of War.
1: The the board game? Yes. Awesome. And It's
5: a lot longer than I thought it would be. So, <laughs> But basically, you're one of the, the COG marines, and you're fighting the loaded, locusts, of course. There's a lot of barriers, and then you have to calculate how far they are from you versus mm-hmm. how close they are versus their line of sight versus uh, what you can and can't do from your certain distance sort of thing there.
0: That sounds almost yep. like a miniature war game than a, just a Weird. board game.
1: It was <laughs> in development at Fantasy Flight Games when I was working there, actually, for a number of years. So I'm, I'm very familiar with the Gears of War board game. And um, if you like it, if you kind of enjoy that, I would also recommend checking out Descent. Okay. They, they make a lot of great board games at Fantasy Flight. Uh, Andrea, what have you been playing lately?
2: Um, I recently have started playing Watch Dogs for the PlayStation.
1: Oh, sweet!
2: Yeah, and <laughs> it's been taking up pretty much all my free time. <laughs> 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 and um, before that, I was playing um, Grand, Grand Theft Auto Five. I'm sorry.
1: <gasps>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I, I, I mean, honestly, Watch Dogs has been taking up all my time.
1: How is it? I really want to know.
2: It's fabulous. It's fantastic. That is the shit. I'm, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, you can say that. You, you, can, you can totally say that.
2: Okay, yeah, it's the shit. Like, it's really awesome. I, I hope it gets game of the year or something like that because it's it's pretty good.
1: All right, I'm, I'm looking forward to buying my own copy and uh, checking it out.
2: Yeah, it's definitely <gasps> worth it.
1: Uh, What about Daryl? What have you been playing lately?
0: Uh, it's not much. I'm still working on unpacking from the move. So I've been doing a lot of setup on behind the scenes stuff on here. I've got a new hard drive for my, my main desktop computer. So I'm working on a fresh install on an SSD solid state hard drive finally. And I've got my yeah. secondary computer formatted. So it's brand new and sparkly. And now I'm Ooh, I can actually run video games on this now. Hmm. <laughs> But I did uh, manage to, I I got a new, uh, I got the 90s nostalgia pack for Cards Against Humanity, so I had to break that
2: Oh, nice. That's that's one of my favorite (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: games. The greatest icebreaker ever invented.
0: (laughs) And as for me,
1: I have been playing, again, the uh, Avengers Next Generation game run by my friend Bill Keyes over Skype. And that is uh, really, really awesome. He's uh, teaming us up with the Micronauts from the 1980s, uh, or or late 70s, I should say, comic books. uh, Which is pretty awesome if you're a fan of uh, old comic books like me. I am playing, of course, Valkyrie, who is the daughter of Fandral the Dashing and uh, Brunhilde the Valkyrie. Uh, The last thing is, I had a kind of my going away party from Austin to Colorado. I'll be moving to Colorado very, very soon. And we played Red Dragon Inn quite a bit. Uh, now, Red Dragon Inn is extremely fun. If anybody has not played it, I do highly recommend it. It's a great board game. Uh, it's a good icebreaker. Has anybody else played J- uh, Red Dragon Inn?
5: I've heard of it. I haven't had a chance to play.
2: No, I haven't had a chance to play either.
0: I haven't had a chance to play either, but uh, former guest Joanna Gaskell on a st- uh, uh Starlet Citadel on her game review show on YouTube That's right. uh, did a playthrough of the game in character as Edna the Barbarian, and it was hilarious, and it looks like a really, really fun game.
1: So the next step, of course, is our Tavern Tales. And this is where we ask our guests to give us a story about a memorable die roll. And let's start with Andrea. Can you tell us a tale about a memorable moment in a game that you played recently?
2: The one thing about in Watch Dogs. Can I talk about that? Sure. sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's this one scene that I couldn't do and it it was killing me. Like I did it like I must have done it like 30 times. And then one time I was just kind of messing around, killing time, because I was like, man, I really should do this, finish this mission, but I'm going to look around first. And I'm stuck in this office for one of the characters, and it has like this singing Um fish on the wall. So you push it and it's it's like dropping the F bomb left and right. (laughs) (laughs) The funniest thing ever. I was like in awe of it. So
1: Oh, I've got to find this Easter egg now.
2: (laughs) It is so funny. (laughs) All
1: right. That's fantastic. Corinne, I think you got to participate in this, didn't you? Or did we was this before we started doing Tower Tales?
3: I'm not certain.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go first anyway.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So
1: give us a story about a memorable die roll.
3: There were many, many memorable die rolls this past weekend. We were at the convention where the Thundering Skies was wrapping up, which was Andocon in Atlanta. And we were the last scene, and it seemed like everybody's dice were just exploding left, right, and center. I think the lowest roll was in the thirty. Wow. The high, the highest was a case of they got to sixty something and and were told, oh, just stop already. Please God, <laughs>
1: stop rolling dice. <laughs> I love moments like that in Savage Worlds. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: Love but like I said, they just kept exploding and kept exploding. It was wonderful.
1: Awesome. All right. Jennifer, do you have a story about a memorable die roll?
4: So there we were
1: (laughs) playing
4: a D&D game. Uh, Mark was running it, and we had a, the guy playing the thief was named Steve, and he was just fantastic. We had gone up, we had been going up against a series of undead creatures. Fairly, this was about 12th, 13th level for 3.5 so we were we were getting starting to get up there into the biggish leagues and the thing we were going up against was basically a mech powered by a dead soul that was in you know tort being tortured in agony what's worse it was one of the dead the dead soul of one of our friends that the the player had left the campaign
1: oh this is sounding familiar
4: I think Mark may have told this, told you this story. Are you telling the story about Death Jack again? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, ignore the kibitzer. <laughs> but yes, this particular creature's name was Death Jack. It was based off of uh, an Iron Kingdom's monster. And I mean, he had a mini for it that was three inches tall. He modded it. It had skulls on the shoulder. And in fact, the skulls on the shoulders were, were part of the problem because one of them fired a uh, finger of death and the other fired disintegration. This was nasty. Oh yeah. So we're having trouble with it. Our paladin is damn near death. My ranger is having some problems. the, Wizard is desperately trying to counterspell those bolts coming off the the skulls. And the thief, sarval says, So what's holding those skulls on? And Mark says, Um, Well, they're strapped and bolted on. So would a disabled device check <laughs> be appropriate to undo them? Brilliant. Nice. Fortunately... Mark is a good enough GM that he didn't cry until after the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've got, talked about our, our tavern tales, let's dive right into the main meat of the topic tonight. Sexism and gaming. I'm really glad that we have you ladies with us tonight to talk about it. I, I'm just going to throw this out there to whoever, you know, which, whichever you would like to, to tackle it first. But can you tell us about what the problem is? Can we define the issue of sexism in gaming?
4: From my perspective, the problem with sexism in gaming is that it's a very concentrated version of the sexism from the wider culture. You have a lot of people that primarily men. It's it's been perceived and honestly it's been predominantly influenced by men since it's since gaming was pretty much founded. You have men that come into gaming and they think of it as their refuge. And a lot of them are socially maladjusted and there's a little bit of the geek fallacy there where we all, we all need to stick together because the rest of the world's out to get us. And so when women try to come in, we're viewed as intruders, we're viewed as outsiders because we are threatening that refuge and we're forcing people to look at their unexamined sexism the way they act. There's a lot of resentment among a lot of geek guys against women because when they were teenagers, girls didn't pay attention to them or girls insulted them or girls bullied them. And I get that. I've been bullied. It
3: sucks.
1: Okay. Uh, Corinne, do you you agree with that? Does that sound right?
3: Yeah. But I will also throw in this caveat. I've gotten more negative reactions from other female geeks than I have from male geeks. Most of the guys I've encountered are, shall we say, excessively solicitous, whereas other women tend to be, those who are not of the, the more the merrier variety tend to frequently be the sort who are... Territorial? Territorial and see it as New female equals threatening queen bee status.
4: Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay. But I think, you know, in general, the, the situations that we're seeing in, in the culture these days are, are probably lying more, I think, on the the side of the stuff that, uh, that Jennifer was talking about.
3: True. I'm sure for most people that is the case. I just, I have a very odd history as far as what I have experienced
0: Sure. And apparently there's been a lot of people who've been really kind of lucky in terms of not having either experienced it that much personally or having seen it because I my local gaming group when I was growing up was very inclusive. And so every time I would hear something about uh, being mean to girls or girls aren't allowed or boys only club sort of mentality, I brush it off as overreactions until I started Paying more attention to the gaming culture overall and attending conventions and talking to people online and things like that. And then I start seeing, Oh yeah, it's happening a lot.
3: Now I have seen it, but my experience of it being focused on me is the only thing I am speaking to.
1: We've been wanting to do a podcast about the topic of sexism and gaming culture for a long time. And you know, we're two white dudes, so we kind of have to. We have to be very sensitive about how we approach that, right? So when Jasmine talked to me about it at uh, Comic Palooza, I was like, this is perfect. We can bring the D20 girls on, and they can talk to us about it, and we can do this roundtable discussion, and it'll be you know, a, a way that we as the podcast can kind of get involved and get the word out about that topic. So I'm, I'm really glad you guys joined us tonight. And the D20 part of D20 girls, I love anything with D20 in it. <laughs> Because, I mean, you can see the, the front of our, our uh, logo has a D20 on it, right? We're, we're big fans of that. So the D20 Girls Project, as you said earlier, their whole mission is kind of about addressing sexism in gaming culture. I mean, isn't, isn't that right?
5: Yes. Yeah. Women in games were pretty much portrayed as like a prize if you completed a mission in certain games. I know when the Laura Croft franchise came out, it was specifically designed around a certain celebrity. so, <laughs> um, And at the time, that was okay. But now we're realizing that that really did give that negative feeling that if you played a female character, you're not going to have as much fun, which in the beginning when Laura Croft was a game, she well, she is a game still, but it just didn't read well with women. And now we're realizing... That now there is a rise in female gamers and they're starting to be a little bit more vocal about how there's not many positive characters to choose from.
1: What you're saying is, you know, lack of female characters and role models and things of that nature.
5: Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, One example that's come up recently in the news was uh, the new Assassin's Creed game allows you to customize your characters for multiplayer. You can choose this option, this option, this option. And then someone said, what about a female character? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get crazy now.
1: Yeah, Ubisoft, unfortunately, really just shot themselves in the foot. And this is uh,
0: following right uh, off of Nintendo doing the same thing with uh, uh, homosexual relationships in one of their games. Saying, oh, we never thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's important to note probably,
1: uh, for the listeners and for our guests, um, Daryl and I, I think most of our perspective on any of this issue with regards to gaming is going to come from the tabletop gaming side. We're going to be, you know, like the, the, the things that we are really mostly, you know, I, I I'm trying to find a way to say this. We're really tabletop gamers. So that's the culture and the industry that we're the most aware of. So if we have something to add to this, I mean that's kind of where Daryl and I are going to be coming from. But it, but yeah, the 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 Ubisoft thing is 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 just very recent. So that's one of the reasons why we're really aware of it. Andrea, did you have anything to add about you know kind of defining uh, what what the ga- sexism in gaming culture is about?
2: Um. I'm really not a tabletop gamer. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I, I know nothing about it. That's not my forte. My, I play a lot of console games and multiplayer's like. Shush. I know. I see a lot of. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I can just. I can just tell where this conversation's going right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: you can see. Don't need binoculars to see where that's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, that's just been my experience, you know, and, and I just, that's why I kind of stopped playing it. Sure. So.
1: Well, I think there is something we can all talk about, um, and that's the visual portrayal of women in games, uh, specifically like as characters or as people that are, are part of that game. Because in the tabletop world, we have lots of pictures of, of female characters who are in that world as well as you know the actual guys the avatars that you play as in the uh, the video game side i have you guys ever heard of a game called exalted
2: yes i haven't no
1: exalted was fairly infamous for its portrayal of female characters on the covers of its books there is uh one particular book Uh, what is the name of that book Uh, daryl
0: do you know I can't remember. I never. Okay, I, I kind well, of ignored Exalted, to be honest. Daryl,
1: Daryl, can you look that up for me while I while I chat for a second? Sure. There's there's one particular cover of an Exalted book that is basically known as the camel Toe cover because of how. Yeah, it's it's all about the perspective. I mean, like artistically, like like from the techniques, it's it's actually very nice, but. The com, the composition and the perspective and everything about it just emphasizes. Yeah. Daryl's looking (laughs) at it right now.
0: Savant (laughs) and Sorcerer. Savant
1: and Sorcerer is the name of the book.
0: And And, it's the, the outfit I can describe it as Psylocke would say put some damn clothes on from the X-Men
1: series. But, but even then it's not about the attire. It's about the, the composition and the perspective where it just puts her genitalia like right up in front on the cover there. Yeah. So. So you know we have our issues in the tabletop side as well. What are some what are some issues with art or portrayals of female characters in games that you guys are aware of?
3: Well, I
5: definitely realize and kind of acknowledge as well because I do do the whole cosplay thing with the recreation of characters outfits. Um, a lot of the female characters tend to have that because it's a fantasy. We should push. The limit to how much thread there could not be in that one
1: area. <laughs> so. How does it stay on? It's magic. Yeah.
5: And then add some gravitational defying boobs and then crazy hair. <laughs> so. Yeah. As a costumer, that's very difficult because you have to try and make it uh, public. Okay. <laughs>
1: well, the, uh, the, the crazy hair, I mean, I. I guess I want to ask a really quick question. Is that do you consider that to be like uh, a sexist thing, like the the crazy hair, or is it more about the the revealing nature of the the outfit?
5: Um, it's more about the the outfit. I'm totally okay with the hair. I would rock that every day if I could. But
1: <laughs> like with Elvira, like it's not her hairstyle, right? You know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Although her hairstyle is very distinctive. I mean, that's a good point.
5: True definitely if you saw her across the room you know who she was but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the most prevalent one i know of is the infamous chainmail bikini
1: that's yeah in in yeah. the tabletop culture that's definitely true yeah. oh, I
0: mean, it's like yeah. okay that is not even practical armor that wouldn't protect anything
2: yeah i remember playing world of warcraft and my paladin would always have this ridiculous armor i'm like really <laughs> like
1: no. a Pikachu
2: like, top, you know, that's chain mail and. Right. And it's, I, it used to, it used to bother me a lot.
1: <laughs> I think we can all agree it's very exploitative. Just historically speaking, I, I think I push that back all the way to the, uh, early 70s comic books of Red Sonia. I think is where that originated.
0: Well, you go back to, mm, yeah. to heavy metal I and mean, the, just beca- early okay, because, just
1: because I'm a scholar of it doesn't <laughs> make me a, a, a perv. But. <laughs>
5: You can appreciate and not be pervy. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, it's, it's clearly, it's clearly the arm, armor is like a big thing, obviously, in the tabletop world, too, because really, there's actually like a movements, I think, on RPG net and a couple other places that, uh, is basically, I, I think it's like basically hashtag realistic armor mm-hmm. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> and there's a, you know, it, it's always nice, I think, to see when, when people do a, a female character in a, fantasy world armor is something that they would wear, where it is something you're like, yes, I would, you know, that looks protective.
0: Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. Brienne of Tarth is an excellent example of realistic. And it doesn't detract from the fact that she She is a woman, but she is a woman who is properly protected.
1: Can we, can we think of some places or some, you know, recent events maybe that have highlighted where uh, this issue is kind of cropping up more and more in our, our tabletop environment?
4: Well, just recently, Last year's Gen Con, as a matter of fact, there was a booth that was selling apparel and bumper stickers and such that were making fun of sexual assault and rape. And they got.
3: I hadn't heard about that one.
4: Yeah, they, the booth in question, they got reported to the Gen Con organizers and nothing was done. They were, they were told to, to pull the offensive material. They didn't and there was no actual repercussions for that.
1: Huh.
3: So it was a case of don't or I'll tell you not to some more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow.
1: Oh, that's that's ugly. I was thinking that like one of the ways that you see it um probably more more evidently in my opinion than others is in a lot of artwork for tabletop games.
4: Wait. Oh,
3: absolutely.
1: Wait. Yeah, Corinne, do you want to field this one first?
3: Oh, (laughs) this one, I'm guilty of myself without a choice. It was either let it slide or delay production even longer. (laughs) There is one particular piece of art that, in my opinion, is completely wrong in one of our books. What was shown was more of an Inara when the character in question should have been more of a Kaylee. Aha. And it. Just completely did not fit. I was livid, but there was nothing I could do. Or, as I said, delay production.
1: The the style has changed. I mean, if you go back and look at you know Red Sonia from the seventies and up to the early eighties, there's there's still a lot of echoes of that in the chainmail bikinis of the time, especially like um, Elmore. Now, Elmore, Larry Elmore, of course, is a very very talented guy. I I love him. Like personally, he's just a fantastic dude. Um, yeah. But he he is he has certainly done his part, (laughs) you know, with the the chainmail bikini thing.
3: I think most of the art issues are a matter of perceived demographic as opposed to the broader audience and focusing too narrowly on, well, this is what insert specific demographic here wants to see rather than here is the practical what this character would actually look like.
1: Right. Well, I mean, this is true even for um for Shadowrun. They had a uh, construction tape girl on the cover of uh I think it was one of the, one of the Runners attitude con- attitude on the cover of attitude. But I think there are some places we can point to where things have gotten better. Yeah. For example, Pathfinder has a pretty good track record of uh you know showing women in realistic armor. Uh, what's your opinion about this, uh, Jennifer?
4: I think that Corinne actually is is got it on this one. You they've Game companies have been using titillation to sell games since uh, pretty much the beginning. It's particularly bad, I think, in the fantasy and superhero settings, though you can see it in a lot of others. There were some fairly
1: infamous ones uh, for superheroes, both in artwork and like the uh, presentation back in the 90s when during the OGL period mm mm-hmm. Uh, there was a book called The Foundation, and the only reason I know about The Foundation is my friend uh, Derek Thomas did the art uh, cover art for it. Now, the cover art, I think, there's nothing really wrong with the cover art. Uh, but on the inside, it was uh, pretty blatantly, it was pretty blatant and sexist, and it, it went so far as to include the heroine's measurements in her wow. in her character sheet. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Classy. Yeah.
4: Now, there are there are companies and indie guys out there that are that are pushing back against that. Mm -hmm. The writer of On Mighty Thews actually several years ago when he first published the game. uh, It's a it's a sword and sorcery game. It's kind of a beer and pretzels. um, You know, go play some Conan. Right. (laughs) And it's a lot of fun. But he actually had a blog post. On the process he went through when he was commissioning the art because he wanted the art to be a a female character that was dynamic, that looked powerful, that was aggressive, and that wasn't your typical cheesecake. Mm -hmm. And I read that blog post and I tell you, I called Mark and I said, you're looking for a, a sword and sorcery game. You need to get this. You need to get this game. And we
3: did.
1: Now, I'm curious, have you ladies uh, seen the artwork for Accursed, which is my, of course, my setting for Savage Worlds?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Because, you know, I I think we tried pretty, I think we tried and succeeded to get to get that across as well, that there's lots of different ways that, uh, you know, women can be portrayed, they can be portrayed as, you know, adventurers, they can be portrayed as villains, they can be portrayed as heroes. Now, I think it's noteworthy. The only reason I bring up a cursed, I mean, obviously because I'm so familiar with it, but is also, it's the main villains of the setting are entirely female. All of the, all of the big dads, if you will, for the world are, are the witches. I am
3: entirely too familiar with, with the blood witch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was, that was something we had to, you know, really think about was, was this idea that we were going to create the setting where all literally all of our big bads were women it, it took us you know thinking about it but we said you know why not why not have you know women in positions of power and sometimes and and those positions of power can be you know antagonists it can be protagonists it's it's fine as long as we show them you know with respect so we were we were presenting like if you look at the artwork for the blood witch i mean she is seductive right she is sort of this vampire queen but it doesn't come across as cheap. I think. I think we we did it respectfully.
3: It it is a respectful treatment of the standard trope of sexy vampire.
1: <laughs> well, and that is a common trope with vampires.
3: That just goes to the whole blood passion psychology of it.
1: Right. I guess the main reason I'm bringing it up is not to just you know say oh hey we did it right. Was just to point out that I think it re- does require. If you if you want to do it right, it requires thinking about it. it. Requires you know some some attention and effort. It can't just be a well. We'll just you know let anybody draw anything.
3: Yeah, blanket just the blanket statement "sexy equals wrong" is inaccurate. It it's perfectly fine to do sexy, but have a reason behind it beyond just, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Because then I mean, it becomes exploitative. Exactly. The new 52
0: Starfire.
1: Oh, God, the new 52 Starfire. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, or Power Girl in general, really. But, yeah, wow. All right.
5: Most of the art, of course, is going to try and pull that whole sex cell, so uh, we might as well just
1: try and pull out all the stops there. You're talking about exaggerating the sex appeal? Yes.
5: (laughs) And I noticed that, especially when it comes to... I guess the, the wizard side of it, as well as the priestess, they do take a, a little bit more liberty, especially when it comes to religious symbols, uh, and try to symbolize them to, well, not symbolize, but mimic some of the traditional images of them, and then take a little bit more away, so to speak, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. I, I have something I can add here really quick from, uh, I've been playing uh, Star Trek Online, Quite a bit and in their early days of their their advertisements of the game they included a Vulcan female in very non-regulation attire we basically the 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 community of players uh, ended up naming her Taboobs
5: oh wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> because because it was fairly obvious like what she was there for to sell Star Trek online to people you don't need cleavage I mean, you need just, uh, just a Vulcan in a uniform, boom, Star Trek, right? You know, what's so, yeah, it, the exaggeration there, I think, is not only, not only is it like exploitative, not only is it kind of insulting, it's just, it's it's just not necessary.
0: I just read it's, a study recently about the whole sex sells argument, and they did market research for advertising firms that determined that the more sexualized content in an advertisement, the less people are going to remember what brand the ad was for, <laughs> they're just going to remember boobs.
5: <laughs> oh man! Wow, that kind of reminds me of the the X Men advertisement that came out with a uh, oh was it Carl's Jr. and there's Mystique. She's holding a burger and she's getting ready to take a bite, but then she morphs into this rugged backwoodsy guy and takes a bite out of the burger and it basically at the end of the commercial it says man up. So,
3: Ooh,
1: wow. Funny. That yeah, that's okay. Bit of a mixed yeah. message there. <laughs> uh for sure. Especially like Mystique is a strong she's like a strong female character too. She doesn't need to man up. She can eat the hell out of a hamburger yeah. on her own. I mean, like I I think Mystique's kind of awesome personally. So that's why I am like, really? <laughs> you
0: know? But think about uh, putting thought behind it. There's another thing that comes up a lot that I, that I've seen people do, and I call them out on it when I notice it, is they'll make what they think is an overplayed, ironic joke whenever they come across a female gamer, like either online playing video games or I've seen it at cons, I've seen it in forums. So, There's no girls on the internet or what are you doing here? Why aren't you in the kitchen making me a sandwich? And they're playing it off like, oh, I'm making a joke. I'm not really like this, but Yeah, you're still making a sexist joke, even if you're trying to do it, quote-unquote, ironically.
1: Now, has that happened to either of you in, like, a a gaming environment?
4: Um, I haven't been told to go back to the kitchen, but I have walked into a room planning to game and had half of the gamers in the room talk to my chest and talk to my chest and talk to my chest. And even when I say, hey, my eyes are up here,
3: they continue to talk to my chest. Wow. That Again, but that's not just a gamer thing. That's just welcome to the world as being female and being addressed or having your chest addressed by males.
4: Yeah, and that's why I said earlier that it it's a... Kind of a magnified version of yeah. the, the wider culture as a whole, you get that everywhere, and it's worse when you are well endowed, which I am i have I have German and Russian ancestry, and boy, do I have German and Russian ancestry
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one thing that's probably I think that's come up in awareness a lot lately, especially at conventions. Um, especially with things like cosplay uh, Jasmine as you were saying uh, is there's this idea of a fake geek girl have you guys run into this and if so can you tell us about it
0: I got I got to tell you a lot of people talk about the fake geek girl and I, I'm going to say yes fake geek girls do exist actually all the conventions I went to all this year and last year I have met two fake geek girls they were doing cosplay and oversexualizing it and being flirty just to get the attention and all that and they had no idea what they were dressing up as or who they were or anything like that
2: However, or if they dress up. It's like the stuff that you wear for costume. I mean, you wear for like Halloween, you know, when you go out clubbing or something. Yeah,
0: here, here's the, here's the <laughs> yeah. thing though. Everyone keeps talking about the fake geek girl online. It's like, it's an, it's like every single girl who shows up on, Oh, you're just a, here's my cosplay picture. Oh, you don't even know who that is. You're a fake geek girl. <laughs> and my, my biggest thing is at Comic Palooza alone, I met over a dozen fake geek guys. They were just like these frat boy douchebags who were showing up there hitting on all the cosplay girls, by the way, being disgusting about it and clearly knew nothing about whatever they were trying to talk about. That's, that's why I hate hearing people pull out fake geek girl.
1: Well, okay. Well, I'm going to have to step in here for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's no hatred on this podcast. So just to be clear, there's that, but also I, I'm going to take a little step further. I think, I think we're on the same side of the fence, but I just I want to extend it a little bit further out. I I don't think anybody needs to be a fake geek anything, right? I mean, if, if someone just enjoys dressing up in a sexy costume and, and going to conventions, there's no reason why I should get in the way of their fun, right? My fun is not more important than their fun. And that's what conventions are all about is having a good time. And if you know, that's there's lots of different ways to do that. So I don't think there's any, I don't think there's even such a thing as a fake geek girl or a fake geek guy. I think it's just people that have fun in a different way uh, with things that we love. I mean, that's why we're so protective of us because we love it, right? We like, we like look at Firefly and we're like, if you dress up as Firefly and you don't know what it's about, you know, to us, that feels a little weird because we love it and we don't understand why someone doesn't love it enough to, to, to learn about it, but it doesn't mean that they're wrong. That's all I'm going to say. I think. I think it's okay to go to a convention and dress it in a costume for whatever reason you want.
0: That is a very, very good point. I never thought of Ross. Thank you. <laughs> Cause now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, well, how can I, how can you call someone a fake geek whenever they've obviously put hours of work into this costume? Even if they, even if they're not a fan of the thing, they're a fan of the costuming. They're a costuming geek.
1: Well, that's kind of one of the big things about the idea of a fake geek girl that's been going around is that it kind of establishes people who say that as like gatekeepers as, you know, you can't be a geek of this unless you know everything about it. And I I dislike that idea. I, I dislike anybody trying to say you can't be a fan of Star Trek if you have never, you know, seen all the episodes. I dislike anyone saying you can't be a – you can't dress up like Batgirl if you don't know, you know, her eight different incarnations. You know, <laughs> I mean,
5: Why not? I've had that happen a couple times when – I find the design for a character just, I could so do that in the next three months and then wear it out somewhere. And I had a couple people actually come up to me and ask me about the character. And I really honestly just skimmed the history of them. And I had no idea that there was all this information behind them. And I was even more intrigued that I should probably read up on it. But of course, because I couldn't repeat back exactly what they wanted to hear, I was labeled a fake geek girl, even though I put in so much time and effort into an outfit.
3: And-
2: yeah. Yeah. So I think that's wrong. That's <laughs> happened to me, too. I had, did a cosplay of Zatanna. Oh, and-
1: fantastic. I love Zatanna.
2: <laughs> and I mean, I just think she's an awesome, you know, character. So I was like, you know what? I'll do that. And then somebody asked me some in-depth, in-depth question. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And they're like, they just looked at me awfully and just like walked away. I'm like, sorry.
0: <laughs> How dare you dress up as someone if you haven't read every single comic book ever written ever that <laughs> might have anything remotely to do with that character? And I'm going to give you a, <laughs> I'm going to give you a five-part history test just to make sure.
1: Now, I got it. I just got to ask this quick question because anybody who cosplays a Tana, I would, you know, there's, there's like one thing that would just make it like beyond. And can you actually talk backwards?
2: I tried.
1: I actually practiced. That's hard as hell. <laughs> it's
2: hard. <laughs> no, nope, I couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would have to like record myself and then like run it back and just lip sync it, you know? I mean that's the only thing I can do.
2: Yep.
5: But that's totally. an awesome
1: thing. So so you both both you uh ladies are cosplayers, is that right?
2: Yes. yes.
5: Well, I do it more as a, a a casual thing. I'm starting to get into the competition side, so I'm paying more attention to seams and how things lay and right. photograph, but
2: I just do it for fun because I like it dressing up. I I use any excuse to dress up. So
1: now when you are cosplaying as a character, uh, do people come up to you and like treat you like you're their character, like you're in character as the person you're cosplaying?
5: Uh, I would like to say maybe half, half and half. Usually I have people come up to me and they'll, Say like a key phrase that the character would know, and then they'll react a certain way. And I'll do it, and then it'll be all, "Yay, we're on the same level!" And then I'll have others come up to me and just automatically, "Is that your real hair?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: your eyes can't
5: like change, can they? They're, they're goat eyes right now. Well, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's their contacts. It's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: How do you think the idea of the fake gay girl? How do you think that? Well, there's a there's a thing right now, kind of a It's kind of a meme a meme or a mem, I guess however you pronounce that. Meme. Uh cosplay does not equal consent. Are you guys familiar with this?
2: I really haven't run into anything other than, hey, can we get a picture with you? And that's pretty much it. (laughs) Okay. Uh for me
5: it's a comfort level because sometimes I'll have people ask for a picture. But then they don't ask about how close can they be to you? Can, is it okay if they grab
2: you
1: in ah, certain areas? That's a good point, right? So if I'm going to take a picture with you, right? Like almost nine times out of 10, I, I see like a cosplayer, like they're, they got their arm around them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a, it, it is kind of an invasion of personal space, isn't it?
5: Yeah, just a little bit. My yeah. sister was costuming once at, um, I think it was Dallas Comic Con. This was two years ago. And she was dressed up as a casual Wonder Woman. And I was dressed up as Black Canary. And we had a couple guys come over to ask for a picture. And at first, we thought we were going to pose in like fighting poses against him. But he ended up grabbing my sister by the waist and grabbed me by the waist. And it was a really tight squeeze. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, <laughs> I kept looking over at my sister to make sure she's okay. Like, is this okay? Is this okay? I will, I will hit him in the face if it's
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I think the takeaway here is if you want to get a picture with a cosplayer, ask first, like, how, you know, how can we set this up? Yeah, pretty much. Is that does that sound like, a you know, the right answer? Or... Uh,
5: Maybe... I feel like asking and as well being very specific as to how you want to pose in the picture, because some people are not OK with uh, fan service. <laughs> OK.
0: All right. <laughs> and then there's the infamous hover hand. The hover yeah. <laughs>
2: hand.
0: What's the hover hand? Uh, that's, that's something that happens a lot in, in celebrity photo shoots. Um, cause they'll want to put your, put your arm around the celebrity, but you can't actually touch the celebrity. So you put your arm around them and it's like your hand is an inch off their shoulder. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the hover hand. Okay. I get which it. is
0: actually kind of a, is, is both a don't touch the nice right. female actress, but it's also at a convention. I've gotten sick out of three out of four conventions i've gone to so doing those photo opportunities i don't know how they don't just get every disease ever after i'll <laughs> shoot
1: yeah wash your hands yeah
2: sanitizer hand sanitizer
1: now i got a confession to make i at, at comic Blues i was taking pictures of, of people in costumes and i uh i took a picture of elvira the girl dressed as elvira and i thought she had a really great costume and, you know, when I take pictures, I usually say something like, you know, say cheese or, you know, say something that, you know, would you say in character with Elvira? My mind kind of went a little bit blank, but I know what Elvira is like. So I when I took her <laughs> picture, I said, say something saucy.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: and. I got to admit, like, as soon as the words left my mouth, I was like, oh, that was probably inappropriate <laughs> um, because, you know, I was treating her as if she were in character. It, I, I felt bad afterwards. I I really was like, I'm not sure like what I should have done, <laughs> I guess, uh, because I, I think the right answer probably would just have been say cheese, you know, stick with the the safe one. But it just, it just seemed like, a, you know, to me, like in the heat of the moment, I was just like, well, it's Elvira. She will say something saucy. Uh, so, you know, there's my confession. I, I think I, I, you know, not Did she with
2: say anything. No,
1: no, she was <laughs> totally smiling and just, you know, seemed like she was fine, but I feel guilty about it afterwards. So I, you know, that's my confession.
5: <laughs> I would have been more excited She's like, "Yeah, she says something saucy."
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. You know, I was. I gotta admit, I think it would have made it like a, a more cooler, like, thing because that's her character. But it was probably not appropriate for me to ask for it, and especially not the, the way because it wasn't really an ask; it was like a demand. I was like, "Say something saucy." Like, anyway, <laughs>
2: oh.
1: <laughs> comes across differently to a tabletop environment, like with with girls who are playing games, as opposed to girls who are cosplaying. With
3: cosplay. Playing, it is specifically about the clothing and the shape under that clothing. That is what is judged. More so than at tabletop where generally you're dressed the same way the guys are, jeans and a geeky t-shirt, and you're all rolling dice.
4: Well, it's also fundamentally... It's fundamentally a form of gatekeeping. The whole fake geek girl idea is... And actually, I haven't been actively called a fake geek girl, but I have been quizzed on my geek creds.
1: Which is, in our culture of tabletop, that's probably the same thing, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, well, do you you say you're wearing a t-shirt with Green Lantern, but, you know, do you really know the deep history of Green Lantern? Because if you don't, you're not a real geek.
6: Oh, Lord.
3: And we are expected to have far more background knowledge to get the same amount of respect
4: <laughs> or even less respect
3: yeah
0: so jennifer how many green lanterns can you name <laughs> no I, this is a serious question because i can name two
4: uh hell jordan Mm-hmm. john stewart
0: yep guy it.
4: gardner god's help us.
0: Y- you beat me already
4: mogo mogo doesn't talk
0: can't forget mogo I walked around Comic Palooza for at least 3 days wearing a black lantern ring that I got out of a fish bowl for free just because it, it felt kind of cool just rolling around on my finger. No one <laughs> went everyone just assumed I knew what I was talking about. I'm like, I watched the uh, the uh Justice League cartoon when it was on right after Batman and literally that's that's my knowledge of the Green Lantern. No one questioned the, me. Wow,
4: The DC animated movie is also really good. That me oh, yeah. at first flight and Nathan
0: Bellington did the a voice on that. So. Right. Well, I'm a
1: green. I'm a Green Lantern nerd, so you know.
0: Yeah, I, um, I I think I tripled my Green Lantern knowledge because Ross was explaining to me what the Black <laughs> Lantern ring was.
4: But and and that's a that's a good comment, Daryl, because you know, Corinna and I walking around with that ring, we'd probably be quizzed about it. Will you know what you're wearing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, I think. We all agree here, and and this is again the same conversation we had with the the cosplayers. I think we all agree that it's it's a dumb idea in the first place to try and gatekeep anyone from having fun at conventions, from being a geek, from you know enjoying the things that they love. And anybody should be able to you know for, well from a costume perspective, anybody should be able to dress up in anything that they want for any reason because why not? It's fun. It's what they it's it's how they want to do things, right? Mm-hmm. And and gatekeeping, you know, it, it strikes me as like even more. Kind of fruitless in the tabletop environment, you know. I we need more players, guys. Really, really, we do. We can't. We can't afford to turn away anybody. Uh, the hobby's
4: been shrinking. We we yeah. need new blood. We need to reach out to younger players. We need to reach out absolutely. to more women.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, I think I think Daryl and I's perspective on this is is absolutely that there is no such thing as fake geek girl, and gatekeeping is dumb. <laughs>
0: i'm sorry I'm, tr- I'm trying to find a specific image that i've always loved it's the one where it has someone dressed up in uh and someone makes a comment on her costume saying oh a gender-switched steampunk joker yeah. yeah that's the definition of trying too hard and then the comment after that is um you know that's so-and-so right it's a famous comic character and bam yes, picture yes i remember that and that image will be in the show notes because i can't find it right now well, there's but,
1: there's also some great, John Kavalik has some great comics on this as well. Yep,
0: and I was going to email John about posting some of those too.
1: Yeah, so the whole fake girl thing, let's, <laughs> we. I think we know what's going on there. You know, when you're talking to girl gamers, there's a lot of things that are said that are really inappropriate. That's kind of where I'm going with this. And sometimes it's said in a way that makes it sound like a joke. Um, Daryl, can you give us some examples of, of things that are said this way that are, they they kind of it, cloak themselves as a joke yeah,
0: it's it's something that a lot of people especially happens in online forums and in online gaming multiplayers where they will yeah. say oh a girl why aren't you in the kitchen ha 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 i'm making a joke i'm not really sexist yes you are you just said something sexist even if you meant it's still a joke that diminishes or uh, someone posts on a forum I, i'm a girl and i did bob there's no girls on the internet ha 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 Yeah, lol, right? Yeah, they're trying, they're trying, it's (laughs) like it's, like it's an ironic joke or something. And for one thing, it's not funny. But for another thing, it's just, it's still part of that same culture of sexism and diminishing women who are trying to express their own passion for whatever it is that they're into.
1: And this is true in the tabletop environment as well. I mean, there's been kerfluffles.
0: Oh my God, a girl that plays magic? Ha 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 ha.
1: Well there's been yeah there's been some kerfuffles about uh sexism uh, even even like as far as game design. Um I don't want to call anybody out like right right now but it it has been happening here and there on the uh tabletops.
2: What what was that word again? Kerfuffle? I've never heard of that. Kerfluffle.
1: <laughs> uh uh shenanigans? Uh
2: Okay. <laughs> I never heard that word before. I'm going to start using it now.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically another way of saying shenanigan. All right. So, have you guys have you guys heard statements like this? Uh, do you does has the D twenty girls? You know, what's their stance on this kind of thing?
5: See, that kind of situation is where it gets a little tricky because you you're not sure how to really open someone's eyes to the fact that that is being interpreted differently than what they're thinking it is. I usually if I ever hear that online, and I I played multiplayers online quite a bit, so I've heard, oh my goodness, so much. (laughs) When it comes to that, I just try to counter it with um, something that I would probably say offhandedly. Like, well, if I have to be in the kitchen, you need to get back on the yard, or...
2: Or change my oil, or something. Yeah, why don't
1: you change (laughs) my oil?
5: (laughs) 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 Just Something like that, to just kind of let them know, like, well, I see what you're getting at, but I also, I raise you this card as well, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like it's like ha ha asshole, right? <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs>
2: yeah. I tend to keep my mic off whenever I play multiplayer, just for that fact. I don't want to have to hear or deal or talk or socialize with them. I just want to play. <laughs> yeah, I
1: hear you. Do we have anything else we want to say about these kind of jokes or comments? I mean, obviously, there. I mean, to be clear, it's very inappropriate. We all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Very wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: And my big thing is a lot of people are saying, well, I'm not really a sexist. It was just a joke because it's something that a sexist would say. Well, you just said something a sexist would say. How do you think that was going to come off? It's something I think a lot of people just don't put enough thought. Yes. Into how what they're saying is going to be interpreted by someone else when they do things like that.
1: So have, do you guys, can you, do you want to go over any of the the latest things that have happened or, you know, any incidents that may have occurred that have you know brought this to your mind?
0: I know recently I saw a Reddit post from someone on, I can't remember if it was, it was on one of the subreddits for role-playing games. And there's a lot of posts like this. You will see someone come in saying, hey, I've got this problem with my group, blah, blah, blah. Can you help me out? Is there any advice you can give me? And most of them are generally, I've got a disruptive player. I've got a guy who's not paying attention, blah, blah. This one was a woman who is a player in the game. There are two female characters in the game. She is the only one who is a female She's a woman who's playing a female character. The other one is a guy playing a female character. And she is getting repeatedly hit on in character. Uh, she's got one guy at the table who keeps trying, who's playing the other female character, by the way, trying to get her to engage in a relationship with his character. Yet she notices that none of the other, the other female character at the table is not getting the same sort of attention. And the GM isn't really stepping up to do anything about it. And I, I've heard stories that are along those lines way too often.
4: I was in an urban fantasy campaign about 10 years ago. And my particular character was a, a Voodoo a priestess with a particular affiliation with Urzuli, who is a law of lust and passion. Now I was accustomed to playing in campaigns that we handle, you know, we, touched on adult topics and my husband's campaign at the time he wasn't running this one this was a totally different one but in his campaign we had we had had a player character that did get raped and he handled it with sensitivity he talked to the player beforehand he said look this is the plot that i would like to run i think it would be very effective if we had your character you know be the first victim or at least the first victim that you guys find out about, there will be nothing on screen. You know, it it was the attack started and then it was fade to black. There were no gory details. You know, it happened. A lot of the game was about the consequences of dealing with what happened, tracking down the, the entity responsible for it. And it was a horror game. You know, we, we were not stinting on the horror, but it was handled in a mature fashion. So I was accustomed to being in games where such topics were handled maturely. Unfortunately, this GM was not handling it maturely. And on several occasions, he went so far as to try and dictate to me how my character was reacting sexually to male NPCs.
1: That's, um, no, that's, it's your yeah. character.
4: Yeah. That's, so, that's
1: very unacceptable.
4: And... The, the thing that I find astonishing, well, it's not astonishing now, but it, it bugs me. The thing that bugs me now is we didn't kick him out. We didn't say, we're, you know what, we're done. I did say, look, you need to stop this. I am quite capable of playing this particular advantage disadvantage. You do not have to dictate, and I don't want you to dictate my character's reactions. And he backed off some. He backed off enough that we were able to ki- finish the campaign, but we kind of were falling into the geek fallacy. Well, we can't kick him out. He's our friend. He's our fellow gamer.
3: And and the ic- inclusiveness at all costs.
4: Yes. Right. Yes.
3: There are times when enough is enough.
4: Yes. Here's a, here's
1: a little more, I think, more topical, uh, especially lately, question. Are you ladies familiar with the idea of the men's rights activist movement?
3: Yes. Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that?
4: Watching it in horror from a safe distance. Oh.
3: <laughs> yes. And having people express concern over choice
0: of hat. Thank you. I got into this when we recorded earlier. I love fedoras. <laughs> I can't wear mine anymore. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, you can. You're taking it back, Daryl. Just think about that. You're okay. taking it back.
3: Sean wears the uh, Indiana Jones hat. That's a fedora. Which is a fedora. And there have been comments and he's fashionable, not an idiot.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) So for the so for the listeners, let's, uh, you know, let's kind of help them understand if they don't know what men's right activist movement is. What is it?
3: Misogyny given another name.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah.
4: (laughs) It's a backlash against the idea that women are people. And how,
3: how and, dare
4: we expect people, right? You know, how dare we expect even a modicum of, you know, civil treatment and respect.
0: And I'm going to admit right now, I used to identify as a male rights advocate many years ago because I fell into the candy coating wrapper, which is supporting men's issues. They're involved. Then I started hanging out and I went, I didn't hang out. I went to a forum once That was a men, males right advocate. And I was expecting no posts about, you know, actual gender issues that men face because, well, I'm a man. So I'm kind of interested in those. And I started reading and it's women did this, woman did this. And I'm like, that's not what you're claiming you're trying to do. And then I read more and started actually investigating gender issues and found out that pretty much every single gender issue that the men's right advocates quote unquote support are actually just pure gender issues in general just looked from from the other side and it's like uh the biggest one is custodies custody hearings women are always favored in custody hearings and men are th- why can't the father be a father to his child and the thing is the reason why that is is because the attitude is women do the child rearing and men do the work mm. yep so it's a bigger gender issue that's in play there and once i started realizing that i'm like yeah these people are just jackasses
4: Well, and it is absolutely a way in which the gender norms of our culture are, you know, hurt men as well as hurt women. But phrasing it and viewing it in the lens that, you know, women are, you know, bad, wrong, awful for the way that our, you know, the society has been constructed is just, it doesn't work.
1: I think I read, yeah, I think I read somewhere that MRA started out kind of like what Daryl was talking about, that it was, you know, more focused on just specifically men's issues. And it unfortunately, you know, morphed into the, uh, yeah, well, devolved, uh, into focusing on what women are, you know, basically focusing on, focusing their efforts on the gender issues as a reflection of what they think women should be or should not be.
0: They've got an attitude. And this is based on my experience with interactions after I kind of woke up and saw through the the bs they come from an attitude where if women get equal rights that's apparently somehow taking something away from yeah. men which is mm-hmm. completely not true yeah completely untrue. and like i said at the last recording feminism and this is a quote from someone whose name i cannot remember hopefully someone will help me out with this is feminism is the radical idea that women are people
3: yep
4: rebecca west british suffragist and journalist
0: thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> jennifer you're awesome so the, having brought up the issue of, of MRAs and their, the MRA movement, I think, you know, this relates back to gaming in the most recent thing that happened uh, with this is PostHuman Studios uh, made a press release where they basically uh, banned MRAs from their forums and said, if you are a member of the Men's Rights Activist this movement, we don't want you as a customer.
0: Rock on, Adam.
3: Yeah, that, that them. Was, Bravo.
1: That was, uh, Adam Jury. And yeah, you know, good, good, good on him. But I, I just wonder, are, are have you guys? I was you?
3: unaware of that. I okay. had purchases to make.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Apparently they had a huge sales spike after that, too. And of course their forums blew up with Gee, people. What a surprise. Compl- people, their forums blew up with people complaining about it. You're going to lose customers. Never going to work. And like, uh, yeah, we just sold 50 copies in an hour.
1: <laughs> Jennifer, were you aware of
4: this? Yes. Yes, actually, I was. And I applaud it. I think that there are people that will scream, you know, First Amendment, First Amendment, First Amendment. And my response to that is, one, it's a private company. Their forums are essentially their property. It's their virtual living room. So they have the right to say, you know what, this is the kind of conduct we expect in our virtual home. And secondly, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. And that seems to be what a lot of these, what a lot of these people want. They want, they believe that freedom of speech means that they spew their venom all over the place and nobody gets the right to say, you know what? Take your shit and leave.
0: What's the old phrase? Your right to swing your fist ends the tip of my nose.
4: Yeah. Bingo.
1: Now there have been some uh, some other you know incidents in the gaming space as late with regards to sex has been gaming. I think one of them, probably the one with the highest profile, and certainly the one I know has caused the most discussion. Like for me personally, uh, is the uh, the issue with Penny Arcade and a strip that they did called Dick Wolves.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
1: And this has led to, uh, you know, quite a few things in the aftermath of that. Um, so it sounds like you guys are familiar with, with what happened. And I, and we don't need to go, you know, through the whole thing. I think we can just put a link in the show notes if people are really curious to find out what, what the deal is. Um, but the short version is, um, there was a, a Penny Arcade, which is a webcomic, had a strip called Dick Wolves. Uh, it, uh, was actually a pretty funny joke, but it, it was, a, it was a joke about rape and they were, uh, they were informed that this was, you know, uh, they, 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 were basically contacted by some of their fans saying, you know, we, we would appreciate, uh, you know, warning on this kind of thing in the future, et cetera. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Penny Arcade kind of responded in a very <laughs> flippant manner, uh, to these concerns when they were raised, which kind of caused backlash and it got, it, it gets complicated after that point. Um, but what, it, what, it, what ends up happening is that, uh, Penny Arcade has, Stop selling all merchandise related to the strip, and they have, I think, formally separated themselves from PAX as the organization over this particular issue. Does that sound like a pretty good summary?
4: Pretty That's close. a reasonable summary. I don't didn't know that they'd actually completely uh, separated from. Pa-
0: they haven't yet, but it, they are taking steps to do so. I know that they have
3: separated from Child, child Play. play. In order to protect the reputation of child's play. Yes. They have separated that play.
1: Yeah, that, that was my error. I, I, I was thinking child's play. I said packs, but yes, child's play. It's, it's both. I think it is, but, but specifically child's play. And then they're, they're working on packs. So yeah, that's my, that was my error. Thank you for pointing that out. So that's the, that's, that's a summary of what happened. And, um, <sighs> can you guys, can, can either of you want to kind of talk to us about the effects of this in the gaming culture?
3: I think
4: it caused a lot of polarization. It brought some, you know, it brought issues to light. But especially when Mike Rakolic dug his feet in and said, no, I wasn't wrong. This was funny. And then doubled down with the T-shirts and the sports banners and and so on. I think it did cause a fairly sizable rift in the community. Because on one hand you have someone and he had a great reputation at the time, you know, especially a child's play. Yeah. So to have someone like that stand up and say to people that were saying, you know what? I have been sexually assaulted, I have been raped, this hurt, this was not funny, this this one in six women will be or have been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. One that's, that's in a Lower
3: number than I thought. I I've, the last number I read, I can't remember where exactly, was more like one in three.
4: One in three that, is three for number. all sexual assaults. One in six is for rape. Ah, okay. I got those numbers off the Rain website. So,
1: well, I think I, I'm so, gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record and say I I thought the strip was funny. It was. I thought it was an appropriate joke, but I think we can all agree that their reaction to it, um, uh, the way they I didn't handled take
3: it. Take it as a joke. I took it as a statement of this is the equivalent of what we are being asked to do by ignoring. Once we get our quest missions minimum done, we're not giving the option to do more.
0: Yeah, that was the what I always thought was one of the more ironic things is the joke itself wasn't a rape joke it just had rape in it it was uh i'll put a link to the show notes to the actual strip and when i'm talking about the controversy because there's links in those blog posts where people are discussing it but the joke was when you go on these mmo quests where it's like you have to rescue six Mm -hmm. prisoners from the thing and then the seventh one is begging you to save him and you're like nope bye well, I think so that what, was, I'm, that what I'm trying to do,
1: so. what, what I'm trying to do here is I think I'm trying to clarify that I don't, I don't believe the strip is really the thing that caused the, the the issue. I believe it was the reaction when...
3: The reaction to the reaction. Yeah,
1: to, to mm-hmm. the, the way that they handled the concerns of their fans. I think that's where I think I I really see the issue kind of arising.
0: Yep. And that's one thing that Mike has gotten a lot better about. And recently. And he did he apologize, is, I is, believe, he for is, this as well. He has actually done two or three formal apologies, including a blog post around New Year's, where he right. said he did yeah, a lot the, of self-reflection. The New Year's
3: one, yeah. may, I... I bought the New Year's.
4: Yeah, the couple before were very much kind of trying to squirm out of the consequences, and he at a couple points, re- you know, said that he regretted taking down the the Dick Wills merchandise and regretted apologizing. So he he took so he he has kind of gone you know forward and back and forward and back and forward and back on it. But, but the New Year's that apology, last one
3: at New Year's, yeah, it it rung true.
0: Yeah, I wasn't trying to squirm out of it. There wasn't any controversy going on at the time to apologize for. It was just him stepping forward and saying, yeah, I've done a lot of self-reflection. I'm not apologizing. Here is why I did what I did. Here is why it was wrong. And here is what I'm trying to do to become a better person.
1: And I think what's really important here, you know, Jennifer made a really great point that it was very polarizing. And, you know, one of the big deals about the Dick Wolves thing is, you know, even for, well, okay. and, And we're relating this back to tabletop gaming because Gabe and Tycho, the guys who run Penny Arcade, uh, Mike Kuhlick and uh, I forget the other guy's name, unfortunately. Jerry. Jerry Hulkins. Jerry Holkins. Yeah, those guys are not only titans in the tr- the world of uh, web comics, not only titans in the world of video games. They're in. You could almost say they're titans in like pop culture in general. But even more specifically, they have a presence and an awareness in the tabletop gaming uh, world because they are. They were the first place, for example, that Dungeons and Dragons went to for, you know, broadening their. Awareness. Acquisitions right? Incorporated. Yeah, like the Wizards of the Coast guys like went out of their way to get Penny Arcade on board. That's just how influential they are. So to see, I guess, what I'm getting at, like when when I'm agreeing with what Jennifer had to say about it being a big polarizing deal, is it was one of the first times I think that this that the issue of sexism in gaming had it had affected such a well known and influential figure in our. In the recent years of of the culture uh, of the tabletop space, does mm-hmm. that make sense?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but I would are, like to point out two things. One, the assumption that it's only women is erroneous. It's mostly women, but men are also victims of rape. One in thirty
4: three, and I think that's low because I don't think it counts uh, incidents. Oh, it, of it is prison it, rate. It's
0: one of the most underreported types of sexual abuse as well. Because yep, who wants to who wants to admit? Uh, from, uh, like again, this is why I fell for kind of the candy coating on the MRAs. Uh, male sexual assault is underreported because either they don't want to admit if it was another man that assaulted them. And if it's another woman, m- they don't believe anyone will believe them. Well, of course, you're a man. You wanted sex, which is again, going to the bigger issue of gender issues.
4: And if it's an older woman, you know, uh, molesting a younger boy, well, you're lucky because she's initiating you.
3: But the other point is, and this might get me in trouble, but in the long term, I think that the entire Dick Wolf fiasco was a good thing because it started the necessary dialogue.
1: No, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, it was, it it definitely got people talking and it got people, you know, researching and it got people kind of getting more into and educated about the topic. I I agree that that's something positive that came out of it.
4: And it exposed that the problem was far worse than anybody had really thought it exposed just how deeply sexism and misogyny is rooted in, in geek and gaming culture. Yeah.
1: And when you talk about like raping, talk about gaming, uh, there is and there has been, I guess, in, in the uh, in the industry, there has been you know, some uh, discussion of this uh, recently as well as as rape is something that you do or don't do uh, in a tabletop environment, especially for role playing, because, you know, role playing is is a little more personal than board gaming. Yeah, more. It's a little more intimate than, you know, you
3: inhabit uh, the character. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or in my in my experience, you do it if it's done right. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> if you're doing it right. Yeah, I agree. Jasmine and Andre- Andrea, are you guys familiar with the men's rights activist movement? Uh, I
5: didn't start hearing it till the the hashtag for all women.
1: Right. Well, there was the the, the real big awareness raised to this was, of course, the shootings that occurred. Uh, um, and
0: yeah. Yeah, that happened while we were at Comic Palooza, too.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, what was that guy's name, Earl?
0: I cannot remember and I don't want to remember.
1: All right. Well, there was for For the listeners, there was a shooting um, Daryl will probably have a link to it in the show notes uh, but it, it was the 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 core of the matter is this guy who went on a basically a violent rampage. It was found later he'd written many manifestos and had been sort of um, writing things that had been said or uh, popularized by many men's rights activists groups and uh it's I think it's unfortunate truth that in our gaming community we have quite a few people that are part of that movement i mean i, I don't want to say like a, quite a few but like i i know i i know that it is a thing that does extend into the gaming community let's just put it that way i mean i think it's fair to say let's let's uh let's take a moment and just kind of establish really quick like the gamers taverns position is that men and women are people period right it's and and, and they should be treated like people that's pretty much it. Right? <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's where we stand. Is it was pretty, is that uh, something you can agree with, Daryl?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Pe- we all love games. Let's yeah. just play games.
1: So that's going to take us into the break.
0: Well, that about wraps things up for this episode. We've gotten most of the venting out of our system and we've identified the problems. And I'm sorry for ending on such kind of a down note, but the good news is the next episode is going to be the second half of this recording where we talk about what we can all do to make things better. And we also talk about a lot of organizations like the D20 Girls who are doing their part. And I'm going to read some comments from previous episodes, but before I do that, your feedback is always welcome and Very few topics are off-limits for our website and our social media, and we also don't censor for language or content for the most part. However, there is no hate at the Gamer's Tavern, and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger if you post any hateful bullshit on my site, period. That out of the way, <clears throat> how about a little bit more lighthearted discussion? Uh, Lucas Crist uh, commented on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Gamers Tavern uh, about the Gamers Tavern Game Table Episode 10, Downtime. He said, The word Downtime just reminds me of a bar of the same name that I used to frequent in college. They had a $10 all-you-can-drink PBR in Long Islands and all-you-can-eat pizza and ribs. It was a beautiful thing. I, of course, replied, $10 all-you-can-drink Long Island sounds like a very, very bad idea. Lucas responded, Lucas responded, you learn moderation very quickly. And of course, I replied, moderation. I do not know what this word means. And this conversation went on for a little bit longer. Uh, you're always welcome to have these sort of little chit-chats with us if you just want to post on our, on any of our episodes or on our wall. And like I said, it's at Facebook.com slash Gamers Tavern. We're going to go over to Twitter, where you can follow us at Gamers Tavern PC. That's PC is in podcast. Uh, we have a tweet from James W., who is at Lone underscore Wolf 902. Have you guys thought about having listeners submit Tavern Tales? Yes, James, I have. Very often. I just haven't figured out exactly how I want to approach it yet. And there, there's a few things that are in the works in that department. So give us a little bit of time and we'll make some announcements coming up very soon over how you can let us know about your gaming stories. Um, there was also a quick conversation that played out um, after Kevin C. Mason or at Art of Paint told a few people that he was listening to episode 33 on player character death. Based on their conversation that they were having, Ned, or at, Atyug, O-T-Y-U-G-H. I know I'm a bad D&D player, I don't know how to say it, but come on, I, I, I haven't drunk enough whiskey today for the throat to work for that. But he said, sadly killed our ninth level cleric last week. Can be harsh, but the dice fell that way. To which Dylan Zimmerman responded, uh, who is at Dilzim, Dylzim, D-Y-L-Z-I-M, at least D&D slash Pathfinder, death rarely has to be final. Plenty of ways to come back. Well, guys, if you're interested in an in-depth conversation of both of those topics, feel free to listen to episode 34, where we talk about both random death by dice and the revolving door afterlife of most fantasy settings. And finally, we're going to come back home to GamersTavern.org, where Brian Smith commented on our evil player character episode number 34, Something that occurred to me while listening to the show is that not all evil parties are going to be about screwing each other over in PvP. Two evil parties that come to mind are Bonnie and Clyde and Mallory and Mickey Knox from Natural Born Killers, who were not only evil, but chaotic evil. So as a GM, don't forget you can start off things with, oh, and you like each other. And yes, that's true, but... I would like to point out that both of these evil parties were actually romantically involved couples. So there's a bit of a different dynamic going on there than your average adventuring party. Uh, but, I mean, look at uh, Natural Born Killers and what happened to the third guy who tried to join their party. Didn't end well for him. But anyway, you do raise a very, very good point, And I've got a couple of counterexamples that are a little bit less tied to romance. You've got, for one thing... House of a thousand corpses and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This, these are two families of ego psychopaths that work pretty well together. And you could do the same thing. Put your own family together, whether it's a blood family or a family of choice. So that's it for this episode. Like I said, tune in next week and we're going to finish up talking about sexism and gaming culture. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives 4.0 license. Drive-thru RPG ad music is Tavern Brawl demo by Save or Die, all rights reserved, used with permission. Music for One Degree with Nick is copyright Nick Jawarski, all rights reserved, used with permission. Until next time, the tavern is closed.
6: Hi, this is Nick Jaworski, and you may not realize it or probably don't care, but I edit some of the shows here on the Gamers Tavern Podcast Network. If you like podcasts but love audio editing, then I have great news for you. I have my own show titled One Degree of Separation, and you can listen to it right now and subscribe at OneDegreeWithNick.com. The show is kind of hard to describe. Each episode is basically an experiment that contains original music, stories, interviews. It's probably just best if I quickly show you some recent episodes. Try to see what you had. If you had anything interesting for me. Well, uh, have you ever, have you ever waterboarded somebody? It was actually a story of Abraham Lincoln, a very superstitious man, seeing his own doppelganger multiple times over a couple of nights. When looking in the mirror, he saw two faces, his normal face and then a pale, ghostly one that that worried him. I have to get back to editing right now, but you should go check out all of that and more at OneDegreeWithNick.com. Thanks.